0: I had this thought recently about toxic positivity. Yeah. That I realized while editing that episode. Yeah. That I had totally skipped over. Like there was some thought that I couldn't really put into words happening the entire time. And mm. the thought was a lot of the time I don't feel that I'm toxically positive. Mm. A lot of the time I think, oh, you're depressed? <laughs> Who cares? Like I'm depressed too. I suffer too. Yeah. And <laughs> I realized that a lot of the time with me and this isn't so much true anymore, but like historically it hasn't been toxic positivity as much as it's been. Yeah. Of course you're suffering. Everyone suffers. Do something mm. with it. Yeah. Make art with it. That Suffering is great for art. Like why would, yeah. <laughs> so I realized this about myself recently and that, that like to the extent that I relate a lot to this particular topic, mm. um, that kind of ties into it. Like, of course, the suffering is grace because the suffering allows for art. But is that really grace if you <laughs> don't feel actualized without other people's <laughs> validation of you? And you know,
1: well, to me, it seems like there's a, a really, really fine line, which we must have touched on when we did the toxic positivity episode. But kind of a fine line between you know validating that person's suffering and being toxically positive. The same way, there's sort of a fine line between. Grace and passivity or, you know, like, fear-based passivity and stuff. Because Mm -hmm. both of those, they kind of look like the same thing unless you're one of the involved parties, you know? Yeah. Like, Grace looks a hell of a lot like saying, fuck it, I'm not getting involved unless you're on the ground with it and you know that you've you've taken that breath and you're just kind of going, all right, like... Let's go forward. Then it's courage, but from the outside it just looks like sort of a non-interventional kind of approach. And then the same way, like trying to get somebody off their ass who's been depressed is gonna look a lot like that cheerleader thing that can be so toxically positive unless yeah. you know that person needs that or you've you're listening to their pain and then you say, All right, but come on, what are you gonna do with it? Like I think we we must have talked about how like it, it gets trickier when when these things filter out past the original situation you know like when you read like a blog saying the same things that you might say to your friend who's going through it it's different because you're in the situation and you know them and you've got the context it's different than somebody that's just like you know an influencer or whatever saying this is the seven things you need to do to like actualize yourself like (laughs) that's like yeah that could very easily be toxically positive Mm because It's like it's like a lot of physical substances. Like they're toxic if you take them for the wrong reasons, but if you're sick, they're medicine. Mm-hmm. So it I don't know. I think some of this stuff is contextual. And it's it's what makes it like to me, it's what makes it fascinating to talk about when you step away from it. Yeah. Because it's it shape shifts a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've just I know that I've written <laughs> arguably my best material. <laughs> in times of severe depression where I don't Mm -hmm. feel seen and I don't feel like my art is being, or my art or I am being engaged with in the ways that I would like. And that's ironically when I've written my catchiest pop songs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um, or maybe it's just like my most, my most Elliot Smith esque songs, (laughs) like like circa XO, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, it's it's hard for me to find something that is so wrong with that that it demands change. Yeah. When I think about it, but yeah. I also like if if I knew someone who was in that state and they were just like cranking out great art. Yeah. I'd be like, I don't I don't know that you need to change. Like, yeah, this is an existential problem. You do you. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> if I personally was in that state and suffering because I didn't feel actualized or because I didn't feel the validation that I need. Like if you told me go make some art with it, I'd be like, okay, great. And that's something that I think is like important to establish in friendships and in relationships and in those systems of validation between people, um, at least interpersonally is like, if you're suffering in such a way or don't feel validated, someone like you need to know the language that someone is going to speak to you with and is going to like try to encourage you or try to cheer you up with or whatever. Like you need to know kind of that person's brand. Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually the subject of the, of the blog that I'm writing right now Mm. for our, uh, for our page. So I think like what Michael was discussing about his crowd, like his, his Christian crowd, like if you're writing a lot of songs about losing your faith, That might not be the crowd. (laughs) Because that's not that crowd's brand. No. But I think like for me as a songwriter and as a lyricist, if I write a song that has a lot asks a lot of existential questions as my songs tend to do, Mm -hmm. or make a lot of existential claims as my songs tend to do, (laughs) I think that like I know that I have the audience that appreciates that. Yeah so what i hear when he tells that story is like i feel a great amount of grief for someone Mm. whose audience couldn't understand the art that he was making necessarily yeah or that like he could no longer understand the art that his audience wanted him to make Mm. so there's just there's a lot of sorrow there yeah that i can feel because like again as an artist when you're when you're creating and the validation that you get is supposed to be what inspires you to create more, Yeah. you know, whether it's the validation or the need for that validation, you'd like to think that it is the material and not the ethos that they're engaging with. You know, Yeah. I'd like to think that someone comes to a show that I play at like a DIY space, not because it's a DIY space, Yeah. but because they want to engage with my material. But it depends on the level of attention that they're they're paying to it as
1: well. I mean, there's always mm. going to be those people. And it, it gets a little more deceptive, I think, when you get away from some of the main, like, some of the big staple genres that tend to fall into this, this category. You know, like, people will go to, like, a country show because they want that aesthetic. They're not, like, analyzing everything Luke Bryan is saying necessarily. <laughs> and, and it doesn't seem... <laughs> Like, it doesn't seem like as serious of an example, but when you apply that same thing to people who just, you know, want to go to like a folk place or a coffee shop or something or a poetry night and just be there and be in it, Mm -hmm. they will blend in perfectly with the people who are sitting there listening to every single word you're saying. The difference will be after the show when those two people come up to you, you know, if they do. And I mean I thought his his story about like losing his faith, especially at i mean at that time and you know, then the apex of his career that that was an amazing story and it took some serious courage to go the way that he did with it and to still live, be yeah. making art, but to still also be questioning this like that. I can't imagine how that feels if you're just like playing open mics and shit and you're just <laughs> Like, this is just your social scene in your world. And if you turn your back on it, like, the way it was in the Pete Holmes book, like, in some of the early, early stories when he started to question things. It's like he was just losing, like, you know, his family and his friends and his relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, that's big enough. But when you're at the goddamn Grammys <laughs> and you're also going to lose all that other stuff. Yeah. It's like, the I picture it like the complete inverse in terms of pleasure of, like, the Patreon Things. Yeah. It's like at this level, you're going to lose <laughs> your friends, your family, your faith, your love, and your entire career. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know. I just, I respect that a lot. Yeah. Like how he handled that is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is, there's a real sorrow <laughs> to that because yeah. it's like there's certain people, it's, they just don't get the path that they're told. They will get, and the validation continually doesn't apply right. to them. You know, it, It's kind of the Siddhartha thing in a way. It's like you just don't have whatever that tweak is that lets people kind of settle into a thing and be happy and, and just exist. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the cruelest things in this goddamn world, in my opinion. Because like, yeah. it just
0: changes shape however it needs to in order to continually torture you. That's partially what Michael's book is about. Not the one that we read, but um, he wrote a book called This, Mm. and um, I'll lend it to you the next time I see you. But it's it's told within the framework of the Four Noble Truths. Okay. But it's like how those Noble Truths kind of informed the journey that he was on at that time and how he ended up where he is now. Mm. And kind of the premise of the book is there can't be any other moment than this. Yeah. And wanting another moment than this is why we suffer, you know, mm-hmm. like wanting something other than what is. Yeah. Which is basically the first noble truth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so like the, the premise of the book is, you know, why can't we just sit with what is, and also wanting something other than this yeah. is this, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you're wanting that is included in this, in this moment. <laughs> Yeah. So that's not wrong. Like nothing, you know, a basic sort of consequentialism or determinism, like nothing that is happening right now mm. is that which is not supposed to be happening. Yeah. Like it's all this. <laughs> Everything that is supposed to be is is now. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. uh it's a whole book told with like some beautiful parables in it and like yeah. Anyway, you should read it. I'll I'll lend it to you. No, that'd be great. Because yeah. that's another topic. It's like it's the same as like the
1: toxic positivity and grace and other things like that. That like it is so easy to just take that one little sidestep that makes it woo woo or makes it kind of detached from the point. Mm-hmm. But if you put it into the right context or you look at it critically enough or, or you use it like everything else we've talked about, you kind of use it like a tool, like. It is just a really incredible power, just being mindful and being kind of at peace with your your present. Because it is true. It's the only thing you can definitively say is going on. And to judge that is just kind of a waste of time and energy. I mean, it's very easy to do, but it's like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, what else else are you going to be doing with it? But then it can very easily, to me, I've always gotten frustrated when um, it blurs with like that settling kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. Cause that that's something that just i don't know it's just something in my wiring like i can't like be okay with that for some reason i've, I've yeah. never been able to and i've always tried like to just have that kind of zen approach it was something that was attempted to you know be instilled in me when i was younger and stuff and it just mm-hmm. it just didn't take and uh yeah but i look at it like again there can be a dichotomy with that like you can look at it and be at peace with the moment and be like okay this is what's going on this is where i am like this is yeah. all right because I'm here for whatever reason you decide I'm here. But my thing is always like with
0: the, what next? Like, what am I going to do in this moment to shift things? Well, that's part of it too. Um, Like Richard Rohr has a quote, which is like, love is saying yes to what is. Yeah. Michael has a quote in one of his songs, love is the yes to it all. Yeah. And, you know, just saying yes to what is doesn't mean that you don't have to resent some of what is as well, Mm. because part of what is, is that you're here and this is not a passive yes. Mm. This is an active yes, where you're saying like, well, there might be inequality where I live (laughs) and I want to fight for equality. (laughs) So I will say yes to the inequality and not just wish for equality, but actually try to act on it. Yeah. You know, and it's also saying yes to the fact that you have a responsibility to your incarnation, as Ram Dass would say. Mm. So there are a lot of ways to take it, and it can sound like problematic language sometimes. Yeah. When you're just saying, like, what well, What do you mean we can't desire something differently? Like, we can, you know, we're supposed to desire positive change, or we're supposed to, you know, fight for the positive, fight against the negative, whichever you choose to do. yeah. But it's not saying that you just have to accept things how they are. Yeah. It's saying you need to accept that things are as they are. And yeah. accept that you are who you are and yeah. that you are not powerless. That's a way tougher bumper sticker to make, though. So I do think <laughs> <up. laughs>
1: that's a lot of pulling over that would have to happen to you. <laughs> No, but that's kind of what it's like I don't necessarily disagree with any of the examples or any of the people that we've cited because I think they've they've all come at it from from angles that I, I generally respect and and I like. But it also is worth talking about whenever these kinds of subjects are brought up because it it's so easy to just blow into that other territory and not totally know it. Yeah. And it can feel really comfortable too. But I think what got me thinking about it recently is um I had to bring up the lyrics, you know that love the one you're with song. Sure. Yeah, I got pissed off the other night. I heard that line, and it just for some reason it. I was like, <laughs> "Fuck you, man!" <yeah. laughs> if you can't be with the one you love, fucking go out and find that person and be like, not in a stalker shitty way, but yeah, no, change. You know, like uh... I don't know. For some reason, I was just in one of those like pumped up moods where I was like, "No, nah, things will be okay." And uh, but I don't know. It's like it made me think about it. That like. Every year in my life that would have been such a comforting sentiment but for some reason it represents that like sitcom type of settling where like yeah. like I hate that about sitcoms too where like the finale is always um nobody totally gets what they want but they learn that it was okay to have what they had all along and there's a part of me that's like what if it isn't yeah what if your life does suck what if things do blow and you want to just do something different yeah there's a time for that too but it's harder to talk about that without getting toxically positive, And it's hard to talk about the other end of it without getting toxically Zen. So it's like, <laughs> it's a real, <laughs> I, that's why I think it's important, important to personalize these types of discussions or to at least talk about all the different angles when they have to be discussed kind of more objectively, because it's really about the process. It's about the like actually sitting down with yourself and kind of identifying did you come to accept your moment? Are you learning from your moment so that you can go forward? Just knowing where you are in time and space and, and in your own trajectory at any given time. Because, yeah, that that's just something that I think it leads to.
0: It's just deferred regret in a way, that present peace. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that, like, there is a trajectory. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to where this topic kind of started, like sometimes you do need people to help you along with that trajectory. And sometimes you need that validation and that, like, they have to say yes to you. Yeah. For you to be able to, like, comfortably and logically and reasonably go along with that trajectory. But I think a sentiment like that, like what you're saying, it makes me very uncomfortable if it's a romantic sentiment. Yeah. (laughs) Like, because if you're settling romantically, that's not great, you know?
1: Yeah. And that's... Yeah, my first thought when I heard that song uh, the other day, it never I never read it like this, but my first like before, but my first thought this time was you're just lying to that person for yeah. the rest of their life. Like yeah. you're just yeah. abusing this person's trust and every time they like melt and say that they love you, you're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> like that's so shitty. Why would you take that and just be like this is peace. This is good. <laughs> Like I, I've never heard it like that before. For
0: some reason, the other <laughs> night I was like eating dinner and I was like, "Hold on, this is new." <laughs> yeah, no, I, I've definitely I've contemplated those lyrics in the same way. It's not great, <laughs> <laughs> but then yeah. again, a lot of love songs aren't great. <laughs> no, very few
1: yeah. are mm-hmm. great. Yeah, mm-hmm. the best ones are the people who don't actually get to be with the person. They're like those. Love Lorne songs, mm-hmm. those are the best ones. Like you just, you're pining, again, not in a stalkery way. It's always crucial to make that <laughs> distinction. No, <Yeah. laughs> but, oh, but the other, I was meant to mention too, the other end of that spectrum with um with some of this like being at peace with the moment. I read um, a book last summer called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It was yeah. recommended to me and it was a great book. But the only thing that I disagreed with fundamentally in it was, I think he said, happy. the definition of happiness is the ability to sacrifice what you want now for what you want later. And I just, I know he didn't mean it like this, but <laughs> yeah. my first thought was like, when do you draw that line then? When do you decide to stop
0: being happy so that you can be happy, you know? Cause, yeah, because when is later. When does later
1: start? Yeah. Yeah. And are you going to stop wanting things when you get to later? Yeah. And then if that's the definition of happiness, then what the hell are you going to be doing when you get there? (laughs) (laughs) So that's the other end of it to me. That's like the polar opposite of
0: being at peace with the moment in some way. It's also kind of not, but. And that's where I struggle with the whole, like, idolatry is such a complex subject. Yeah, You know, wanting that which you don't have or wanting a different circumstance than what you have now. Um, And I wonder if Michael will come back on and and talk to us about (laughs) idolatry. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be Um, fun. But yeah, um, I think that there are moments that you need to carve out to Mm. work on later, to work on getting to later. You know what I mean? Like if I'm if i'm hanging out with you or if i'm hanging out with anybody yeah if i'm with kate like what i shouldn't be thinking is i could be recording right now yeah. i have a new single that i want to work on i could be like making art i could be whatever yeah in a perfect world all of that would just be in one place and i could do yeah. things impulsively and be like oh you know what i feel like doing this right now um, you know, my, my heart isn't in this moment right now. Yeah. My head is going to be in the way of enjoying this moment until I get this thing done. Let me go 20 feet that way and do it. And then, you know, in a perfect <laughs> then you know world, you
1: just want to travel, you'd have all <laughs> yeah. that. And you'd be
0: like, damn it. I wish I could be backpacking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, kinda, it's a fun existence. But it's like, there's always an ambition that I'm employing, there's always a goal that I'm working toward. Yeah. And I know that most of the time I'm getting better at carving out time to work, to work on it. Mm -hmm. Most of the time I'm getting better at knowing like, okay, this is going to happen at like 10 PM on this night. Yeah. And I'm going to drive to the studio to do it. And like, I will have my alone time there and I'll have my space there. Mm. And, and that's when that happens. And I'm getting actually a lot better at being present and being content with the moment that I'm in. Yeah. But I don't think, like, you know, sacrificing what you want now for what you want later. Like, I think you always need to be, like, I don't agree entirely with that sentiment, (laughs) but. Yeah. um, And I don't agree entirely with this, (laughs) with (laughs) With this moment just right here is, is just fine. I think in a very specific yeah. context, I do agree with it, but, yeah. um, in a very specific context, I agree with both. In other, and that's why I think it's important that, to, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say that the phrasing gets very complicated because you need it to be simple in order to kind of, in order to write it down basically, like, cause not all of the, um, conversations that are had about these things can be verbal or can be long form or can be social. Like I, that's why I I'm, I always feel a little bit like an asshole critiquing these things or poking at these things too much, because I know that in the context of that book or like conversations or whatever, like that's not what was meant. Mm-hmm. Like this person knows what they're doing or they, or there's a very clear, like in the case of that book, there's a very, that was in the middle of another chapter you know so that wasn't the end all yeah. be all that was like part of his greater objective with that and it makes sense in that context because mm-hmm. it's it's basically there it was like the whole it, I think it was a lot of it was like with money like save money basically and uh, I get what he means in that sense but the phrasing can really get tricky depending on how I don't know how much you take it to heart and don't question it and that's that's kind of my biggest thing with all of these is like it's sort of like you almost need mindfulness to learn or to teach mindfulness in a way, <laughs> and uh, yeah, because you need to be mindful about the mindfulness that you're taking in, and yeah. that's like yeah. something that's always appealed to me with it is like that kind of like you were mentioning like you when you kind of know or like you've sc- some time scheduled where you're going to record at like ten or something like that. That for me, I I do the same thing nowadays, and I I really enjoy it because it kind of does what I would be doing if I'm like writing a song and I'm I'm sitting down trying to do the verse but I keep getting like little flickers of the chorus popping in there and like I'll just jot them down because if I keep them in my head and I'm perseverating the whole time and thinking like oh that might be good or what about, what about that hook and then it's like I'm not in the moment even within the moment mm-hmm. and uh, if the instant I write it down it's like I don't worry about it I just I kind of look forward to it but it's not consuming me and there's like a nice little gray area there that I find I can occupy. And you can kind of do the same thing by finding a way that that suits you in life. I think Mm -hmm. we just like, you understand your needs, you understand excitement. You don't like judge those things for thinking like, shit, I'm not in the moment. I'm not in the moment. Like get back in the moment. You just say, all right, like these are the things I'm going to need. These are the things I want. Where am I right
0: now? And then you kind of average it out in a way that makes you function well. Yeah. You have to question your reactions. Always. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think like even, you know, being mindful about your mindfulness, being mindful about your lack of mindfulness, it's the same thing. Yeah. Cause that, that can also, as we've discussed, like can be toxically positive if you're projecting that onto somebody else. Yeah. And then you're like, you know, well, <laughs> I'm anxious right now. Well, why aren't you breathing right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, be mindful about whether your mindfulness is causing others to suffer or like causing your relationships to suffer. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a big part of all of this. You know, this, this whole topic is really just questioning your reactions and question whether they are reactions that you have supported and you have cultivated over the course of your friendships, over the course of your career, over the course of however, you know, if you're a creative person... Are you purposefully like putting it out there that you want a certain reaction? You know, are you just doing something to get more followers? Are you just making a certain career move to advance your ego? But then, as your ego grows, so does your need ful- for fulfillment. Yeah. So, if you aren't reacting a certain way to something that would have begotten a positive reaction earlier in your life like well okay audit your reactions is really all i'm saying yeah (laughs)